Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. This morning's scripture reading will be taken from Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I will be reading from a New King James Version. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Good morning. If you'd like an outline of our sermon for today, you'll just leave that passage that Ben just read open on your lap because all day today, we're going to be talking about Romans chapter 12. The AM lesson and the PM lesson will be from the same chapter. I hope you're having a great day. Isn't it a wonderful day to worship God? We, we typically take Romans chapter 12, just the first couple of verses that Ben read, and that's, that's what we know primarily about this chapter. But not today. Today I want to go deeper. I want to go down especially into verse 9 through 21, which is the end of the chapter. And we'll do that. I'm going to break that up, as I said, between the two sermons. Let me give you a background of the book of of Romans, and that will prep us for our discussion of chapter 12. The key verse, the theme verse of the book of Romans is chapter 1 and verse 17, where the Bible says the just will live by faith. The book of Romans was written both to the Gentile and to the Jew. And if you have read the New Testament, you know a great deal of the epistles, of the letters of the New Testament were written to try to work on this relationship problem between the two, that you would take the Jew that held to the old law of Moses and the Gentile and that you would put them together in one church. That was the purpose, wasn't it, of the cross, that all people would be united in Jesus. Well, that was hard for the Jew, really hard. So the book of Romans starts out in the first couple of chapters to say the, uh, to the Jews. Here's chapter 2 and verse 21. Now, now you Jews, now, now you, you practice what you preach, do you? And so you, you preach, you say, don't steal. Do you steal? And the answer was yes. You, you say, don't commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You say, stay away from idols. Are you participating in idols? And this, this brings us now to chapter 3. Just, just, just let me touch on that. Here's Romans chapter 3. I want to drop down in this passage to the lower part. And you're familiar with verse um, 23. Well, look at verse 21 then. Start in 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. The point is that, and from chapter 7 of Romans, the point is that we're not under that old law anymore. That's really hard for the Jews because they have put their justification in that old law. That's what they valued as the way to God. The way they had access to God and justification is through that old law of Moses. Yeah, but now Christ has come and the preaching is we're not under that old law anymore. We're done with that. And it's like a woman whose husband has died and she's free to marry somebody else, Romans 7 says. 
Because she, she's no longer attached to that man. And, and that's how we are. Because while you were married to the old law, and that's where you found your justification, now it's not true. You're married to another, and that's Jesus Christ. So we get to chapter 3 then in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the point. The point is that, that Jew and Gentile alike need Jesus Christ. And the theme of the book, chapter 1 and verse 17, is that, that the just shall live by faith. The people who have justification will be through Jesus Christ. And we live through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. Now put yourself in the, in the shoes of the Jew. That's a real hard thing there because what does that mean? I've, I've become so accustomed all of my life. I've been taught the law of Moses. So accustomed to this law. And that's, that's where I'm rooted. And now I'm freed from that. Now I'm released from that. How does life look justified in Jesus Christ? What does that even look like? I mean, in practical terms, in practical living, what does it look like? And that brings us to chapter 12. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, the Jew understood about sacrifice. They got this, right? Only they were accustomed to dead sacrifices. You bring a a bull, or you bring a sheep, and you sacrifice it on the altar, and when you're done, I can assure you that animal is completely done, and you have exercised that, and you finished it, right? That's the, that's the atonement provided through the old law. Not so, though, now. You're a living sacrifice. Now, isn't that interesting? It's not about a dead sacrifice. It's about a living sacrifice. So the life that we live is a sacrificial one. That, that you would, well, look at this quote. Now, this is from 407 AD, Chrysostom. How can the body become a sacrifice? Now, listen closely. Let the eye look on no evil. If you can control your eyes, it is a sacrifice. Let the tongue utter nothing base, and it is an offering. That's a sacrifice. Let the hand work no sin. And it is a holocaust. In other words, it just means a, a burning up. That, that means this is the big sacrifice. If in your life you can work no sin. But more, this suffices not. But besides, we must actively exert ourselves for good. The hand giving alms, the mouth blessing them that curse us, the ear ever at leisure for listening to God. Don't you like that last part? The ear, I've always got time to listen to God. I've always got leisure for that. Always do. What's that? He says, that's what it means. That's what the living sacrifice means. And so the question comes, if, if this is my life now, what does it look like in reference to living? And if I'm living in grace, does that mean that I have a freedom from from the pressures to not commit sin. I mean, and here's chapter 6 and verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, there's the question, all right? I'm free from the old law. Okay, I'm a sacrifice, fine. But what about sin? And the answer is, 
God forbid, how can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Here, here's James chapter 2, and you're familiar with this. Just let me read a part of it. 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? That faith cannot save him, can it? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But do you know, do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? All right, there you are. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because we're not under the old law anymore. So we don't have that to prohibit us, to hold us back. And the answer is, no, we don't live in sin. The answer is we live as a sacrifice to God. Our lives are sacrificed to God. That is to say that if you're a Christian, every ounce of you is affected by the fact that you walk by faith. Everything in your world. There's nothing we hold back from God and, and we say, I live, I live the way you want me to, but except in this part of my life. It's, it's, just, it's a living sacrifice, right? It's all, it's all of it. Now, hold that thought for a second. And then we'll get into our list. This list that we're going to do about practical Christian living. So all that is for this purpose. And all that I've set up to this point is just to get you ready for the list. All of that is to say, here are some very practical things. You're going to love the list. It's so very practical. It's so very, and it's elementary really. It's profound, but elementary. It's applicable to any generation. It doesn't matter what century you live in. I tell you, this is, this is practical for all time, and it's practical for you and me. This is the legacy you ought to leave your kids. It's really hard when you think about your children and about, and we do this. We, when we have our kids, we start thinking about laying back for them. And so when, when we leave this world, we want to leave something for our kids. And we typically think in terms of monetary things. We think about, about possessions or about money that we want to leave to them. And so we make a will for that purpose. The will, though, I, I, would, I, I understand that. I got that. But th- this sermon would be great to think about that that principle and say, but that's not the most important thing to leave my kids. If I don't leave them a dime, I can leave them this, and this is more important, vastly more important than what money would do. Shaq O'Neal is just pretty funny, and and he's kind of famous now for this quote. Uh, He used to play basketball, you know, really big man, and Shaq, Shaq has become famous for saying to his children, we ain't rich, I'm rich. And, and then he will explain, and he's got many millions of dollars, a very wealthy man, a lot of endorsements and that sort of thing. But his point is, he's not going to give it to them until they meet some standards. So I want to see two degrees. I want you to go to school. I want to see two degrees before you see any of my money. And then he has some other things he wants to see in them. And that's kind of the idea. The idea is that when I, when I make my legacy, what will it look like? And if you sat down right now, I mean, there are parents who are doing this, and in this room, I'm, I'm sure we have parents who are doing this because we have so many babies, we have so many young children, and aren't you thankful for that? Cindy and I were talking about this yesterday, and in our lives, I think that there have been three couples over the years who have, maybe it's because 
we're a preaching family, but uh, who have come to us to say, and these are people with small children, we want to put in our will that if we die, will you raise our children? And it's just some, it's some assurance. And, and we, the answer is yes. And, and two of those, the children are already grown, and so it's, it's, it's a moot point, but uh, one still has their children. And what, uh, what is it that you want to leave your kids? What is it that you really want to leave them? It's important that you get this straight, because if you're thinking about just monetary things, the fact of the matter is, that could even be counterproductive. But this won't be. Give them something that really matters. And it's Romans 12. Here's your list. And by the way, and I would make this a parenthetical note, then I'm going to get to the list, but many of you, hopefully all, who have children at home are doing family Bible time at night, and one of the things that I promote about that is having a daddy list. And the daddy list is the list of things that I want to make sure that my, I want to make sure that I'm sure that I'm sure that when my kids launch from my house, that they will know these things. And then you make that list and it's a living document. So you add to it as you go. But some of those nights for family Bible time, you, you pluck one of those things off that list and you say, here's what we're talking about tonight. Now they can learn those three things in their Bible class. But it's much better coming from dad because he's the hero and he just needs to act like one. They need to hear it from you. All right. This is a great, a great addition to your list. So the first one is from Romans chapter 12. Let's start in verse 1. Here it is. Become a Christian and then live according to your profession. That is, you profess to be a Christian, you need to act like one. I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God. Now, you learn how to be a Christian in chapter 6, of course. Chapter 6, for Jew or Gentile, is the same. You want to become a Christian? You want to be uh, access the blood of Jesus? It's in baptism that we do that. So now that I've been baptized, I'm a living sacrifice. I give my body, my life over to God. Everything, everything in my world is affected by the fact I'm a Christian. Is that true? Is that true how you treat your family? Hmm? Is that affected by the fact you're a Christian? What about the way you, you work your job? Is that affected by how you're a Christian? But yeah, how about the way you treat your enemies, if you have any? Is that affected by how you, the fact that you're a Christian? Well, you, well, yeah, everything, everything. How about the way you raise your kids? Is that affected by the fact that you're a Christian? The answer is that it's everything. There's nothing left undone. Become a Christian and live according to your, to your profession. It's a living sacrifice. And then verse 2 says, don't be conformed to the world. What's the world? The world is the mentality that's opposed to Jesus Christ. It's all around us. The philosophies of the world. You understand that. Inconsistent with Christianity, opposed to Jesus Christ. And don't you be like that. Now, James 4 and verse 4 says, if you're a Christian and you're a friend of the world, something about that mentality, that ideology, then you're not a friend of God. You, 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 it's adultery. Really, it's spiritual adultery. Don't you be doing that. That's, that's not it. Be, become a Christian, then live according to your profession. Now, as we go on, I want to say this. This, this first one is all-encompassing. The, the others are going to be very specific, very, very specific. This one would embody how we worship, that we worship faithfully, truthfully. It would involve our doctrine, what we teach, what we practice in religion. And, and so, setting that aside... Now let's go to these specifics. We want to drop down for our second one to verse 9. Here is Romans 12 and verse 9. And the principle is, be genuine with people and hate evil. 
What are you going to give to your children? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love without hypocrisy. What does that look like? Well, now you probably know from listening to preaching, some preacher somewhere has said this, that originally the word hypocrite was uh, applied or, or was, uh, was a, an actor. It, it, it referenced an actor in a play. And he was playing a different role. And then eventually the word evolves to what you think about when you think about a hypocrite. L- love be without hypocrisy. What does that look like? Did you ever, you ever watch a, a television show, maybe a sitcom or whatever it is? And I don't, Christians don't watch much TV anymore because it's just so vile. So much of it is so vile. But it wasn't always that way. And there was a time when television was much more wholesome, much more... Uh, guarded. And, and so, I mean, you think about the Dick Van Dyke show, which was, you must admit, really a great show, and the Petries. And you watch Laura Petrie and Rob, her husband, and that was just a lot of fun. I always loved those scripts. But it was kind of shocking when you would watch them because it was mostly about their marriage and mostly about typical things, and you could relate to it because those kinds of things happen in your marriage. And so it was very funny. But what was shocking was, was seeing a magazine article about Mary Tyler Moore and, and her husband. And you realize that it's not Rob Petrie. Come on, come on. No, 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 no. That's, she's not really married to that man. That's, a, that's part of the, the show, but it's not, that's not who she's really married to. And it's just a little bit shocking because to see her stand beside the other man, some other man, well, that's really her husband, right? Now, apply that to real life, and here's what happens. Let love be without hypocrisy. And a boy who has a girlfriend feigns love for her because he wants her to commit sin with him. I hope you find that appalling, and it is. That's really bad. Why? Well, because it's love with hypocrisy. You, you Sometimes you'll see a, a really old, wrinkled man who has lots and lots of money, and on his arm is a, a young, beautiful trophy wife, and you say, well, that only makes one sen- uh, sense in one way, right? And we, we use that word gold digger sometimes, but the word gold digger, it means, means love with hypocrisy. It's exactly what's talked about here, and we, it can be true in a number of different ways. You know, you can try to schmooze your boss or other people to manipulate them and try to get them to act in the way that you want them to, feigning that you have some special care for them or whatever in order to get your way. And so here's one on your list. Don't be like that. Don't, don't you do that. Let love be without hypocrisy. And then he adds, abhor what is, what is evil and cleave to what is good. What's interesting to me about that is that those are so close together. And the reason is, now you listen closely to this old preacher. Listen, they go hand in hand. They're two peas in a pod. You do not love good if you do not truly hate evil. You do not love what is good if you don't hate the opposite of that. They have to go together. They have to be together. Here's Amos chapter 5 and verse 15, and it says the same, hate evil and love good. Got it? Now sometimes, sometimes we say that, that love is blind. I suppose there's some truth to that. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Peter talks about this, and he says that love will cover a multitude of sins. The idea is that if you love someone, 
that you're compassionate to them and you're forgiving. In your marriage, are you like that? You better be. If you don't know how to forgive in your marriage, you're never going to see the backside of a good marriage. You never will because we're humans and we do things sometimes that are not right. We make mistakes. And, and when we do, we apologize for those. And, and then you have to be able to forgive. You have to be able to let it go. Right? But that does not mean that I, I let go of my a reality, my appreciation for the fact that there's good and there's evil and I know the difference. It doesn't mean that I, I'm blind to that. I'm not. I am not blind to that. So the second one is this. Be genuine with, genuine with people and hate evil. Now here's the next one. Drop down to verse 10 with me. Be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. You ought to love everyone if you're a Christian, right? Here's a legacy for your kids. You ought to love everyone, agape. But make sure that your closest friends are Christians. Is that true in your life? Are your closest friends Christians? Don't get me wrong. I, I have friends who are all different places in their lives spiritually. And some of them have more and some have less of Christ in them. You know, I mean, there are Corneliuses in the world. Cornelius was not a Christian yet when the Bible says that he was a good man and he gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Remember Acts 10? And that had some good things in him, some godliness in him, but he wasn't a Christian. So I have, I have love for lots of different people at different levels spiritually. The point is, though, that I need to keep this straight. I love all people, but I'm going to love Christians the best. My closest friends will be Christians. John 13, 34, familiar to you. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. But what about this one? What about 1 Peter 1 and 22? Since you've purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, you love one another fervent with, fervently with a pure heart. You want to talk about how come we have unity in this West Huntsville family? You want to talk about how, how we do that? And the answer is in this verse. We really love one another, and it's with a pure heart. And we honor one another. That's what this verse 10 says. In honor, giving preference to one another. The time when you have problems in the church is when, when people start wanting honor for themselves. But Christians are not self-centered. They're other people-centered. And the fact is, you come to the place, you grow to the place spiritually where you don't care who gets the credit for the work. I'm just glad to be part of it. I just want to be part of it. And, and it's, it's fine with me for somebody else to have the credit for it. And when you get to that place, you understand this, this verse in Romans chapter 12, in honor, preferring one another. Preferring one another. Here's the next one. This is the last one I'm going to do for this morning. We'll take up the list tonight. Verse 11. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. I read of a woman the other day who, whose um, mid-twenties son, he'd, he'd graduated from college, and he spent his days meandering about the house in his underwear and robe, in his house shoes, day after day after day. And somebody asked his mom about that. She, he lived at home. Asked his mom about that. And she said, well, there's two reasons. 
One is that the economy is so very bad, it was hard for him to get a job. The second one is the way that I sadly raised him. Don't be lazy. Now, in fact, the way that it's said here is this. Don't lag in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Somehow, in my life, what I have to do is to connect the employment that I have, whatever that happens to be, whatever you do, however you occupy your time, your job, but it may not be that. It may be your schoolwork. It may be, it may be taking care of kids and you're a homemaker. It may, whatever it is that you're doing, assuming that it's not a sinful thing, it's, it's a righteous thing, you know what? You're serving the Lord in that. Can we figure that out? Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. Ephesians 6 and verse 5. Bond servants, these are slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear, <clears throat> fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart. Now you're talking to slaves. What would you say to that? You find a way at night to get close to your master and you put a blade in him. That's not what it says. No, he's talking to Christian slaves, bond servants. He says, you serve with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he'll receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And so the Apostle Paul here in our text, Romans 12 and 11 says, don't lag in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. You're serving the Lord in whatever employment you happen to find yourself. However that is, you serve the Lord. When you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I think about verse 21, and it's talking about coming into Christ and you're in different positions. And he talks about slaves and he says, don't, don't worry about that. If you can be free, that's great. But you're Christ's slave. You're Christ's servant. Right. That's right. How about your employment right now? So many different parts of that, that that are wonderful for being able to display the fact that you're a Christian. I'm, I'm not of the world. And I, I show it in the fact that I will not be lazy. And I'm honest. And I'm kind to people. And I, I have integrity and all of this, those different Christian characteristics. But it comes down to this one principle. And that is that I view what I do as part of my life as a Christian. And I won't be lazy. I won't be lazy. We'll take up the rest tonight, Lord willing. So the Jews became Christians, and you cut them loose from that law. And then you have this kind of confusion about walking justified in faith. And how does that look? And he says, it looks like sacrifice. You know sacrifice? Sure, sure. Well, you're it. But not just that. Let's be specific. And he goes down this list. And the list is so they get a handle on what it means to be a Christian. I'm applying it to us today because, it's, of course, it's applicable. But it's applicable in, in our legacy that we leave behind and influence. It, don't, don't put money on kids. First, put good things in the kids. Put these things in them. Teach them. Teach them. And be this yourself. This is what a Christian looks like. So good to have you here. If there, is there someone here who wants to obey the gospel? Would you like to... Yield to Christ Jesus and bend the knee to Christ and become one of his disciples. Romans 6 says that we're buried with him by baptism into death. 
that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we walk in newness of life. You want newness of life? You want to be in Christ? You want to be part of his family? Repent of your sins and confess him and, and be baptized. We'll be so happy to baptize you in water today, just like the Bible says. If you need the prayers of the Christians, we'd be so happy to pray with you today. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. If you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.